Welcome to the AC Podcast. My name is Troy, and for today's episode, your host will be Andy Steiger. But before we get to the episode, I want to let you know the Apologetics Canada Conference happening in BC is coming up next month, March 4th to the 6th at Northview Community Church in Abbotsford, British Columbia. You can still buy tickets online, or you can get them at the door. At the time of this recording, we're actually having the Saskatchewan conference in Karenport. So we are live and on location, and the conferences for the year are already off to a great start, and we hope to see you at one of these two events. We wanted to remind you that before the BC conference, we're actually going to be holding a pre-conference event called Made in Canada. This will be held at Axe Seminaries in Langley, BC. You can head to apologeticscanada.com slash madeincanada for more information. We hope to see you there. And now for the podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the AC Podcast. This is Andy Steiger, and I am joined today with my friend, Tanner. Tanner, welcome to the show. Hey, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for having me. It is, uh, it's great to be with you. Tanner is somebody that I have talked a lot with uh, about Bitcoin or cryptocurrency in general <laughs> and Christianity. Uh, and today we're going to be talking about Christianity, although I'm sure lots of people would like us to talk about about crypto <laughs> yeah those that would be a that would be a crazy podcast for sure probably more overlaps than people would would realize surprisingly intriguingly enough and by the way crypto is actually i don't know if you saw that it's got a bit of a uptake recently so yeah. uh for any for anybody that's holding out on crypto coming back there there is hope <laughs> uh tanner how, how did you get into crypto though you, that was that was part of your profession right yeah, so that was that was my previous job, uh, and it kind of happened organically as I, I guess, as I came through university. So I did, uh, I went to, to business school. I did a, a finance degree, and I remember it was around like 2017. I was sitting in class in one of those big tiered lecture halls, and I, of course, had like a couple friends who were talking about it. I hadn't really realized like the true impact of what it could be, and then. Yeah, I remember sitting in this lecture and being near the back. I looked down at the computers, the laptops in front of me with their screens open. And it was this really surreal feeling because I could just see on like 75% of the screens, it was crypto, 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 <laughs> crypto, crypto, crypto. And that was not what the lecture was on. Um, and it was one of those moments. So students are like, trading crypto during class. Trading, reading about it, watching what was going on. Yeah, it was one of those moments where I was really like, this is somewhere to spend a bit of time or at least to explore a little bit. And there's a, after having worked in it, there's a bit of a joke where people will say like 90% of crypto is a scam or it's not something that, that you should put your time into. And then after you work in crypto, you can say that, yes, it's actually 95% of crypto is probably a scam and something that you have to be careful with. But that 5% is truly going to make a huge difference at some point. Maybe it's not now, maybe it's in five years, but that technology will have a huge impact on, on what we do every day. 
Well, this is this actually is a good segue into talking about Christianity, isn't it? Because when we talk about religions, there are plenty of scams out there, and there's a lot of people that when they're looking at religion, they can be quite skeptical. And, and of course, when we're looking at whether or not it's investing our money or investing our lives, we don't want to you know, invest in a, in a scam. Clearly, we want to invest in the truth. Now, tell me a little bit about your story. Um, you know, with coming to faith, because today we're going to be talking about something that we call uh, questioning Christianity. And you, I've asked to come on the show because you actually came out to questioning Christianity, and now uh, you're actually a, a table leader and you help run uh, QC. So I think you've got a very unique perspective. So I want to kind of come into this by first talking about your own journey of faith and what brought you with the questions you had uh, to QC. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It it is a bit of a a funny a funny journey, and it really started when I I got to a point where I realized that there were certain things uh, that I had either been avoiding, kind of avoiding with myself. I was I was avoiding really asking myself, okay, what what do I truly think about this? Um, have I put some thought into it? Uh, what? How do I how do I feel? And I think it was out of a bit of fear. I was worried about what I would believe, what kind of conclusion I would come to if I really thought critically about those issues. Um, and I was a little scared. So go, going back before that, <clears throat> I, uh, I, I grew up not as a, as a Christian. It, Christianity was something that was familiar to me. It was around me. I believe that there was a God. Uh, I didn't know what exactly that, that meant, but I always had a kind of a keen interest. And I remember my my grandmother gave me a, a King James Bible as my graduation present. And I think now I've, I've learned that that is like a bit of a classic uh, graduation present uh, for, for some people. So yeah, I had this like beautiful leather bound uh, King James Bible and I didn't really know what to do with it. So I just kind of held on to it. I took it with me to, uh, to university and then went through uh, some really challenging times in my my first year, and I remember there was one night where I was I was essentially sitting there and and I just said, okay, like if God, I believe you are real, I I really need you right now. And I didn't know what to do. I remember I picked up that King James Bible which I had brought with me, and I started reading it. And I was like, I don't even know where to go. I don't know what what I'm supposed to be doing, but I just started. Yeah, I just I just sat there and I started looking looking through the pages. And then from that point forward, I really felt like there was, there was a change uh, in my life. I, I then met my, my now wife, Chelsea, and she invited me to, to go to church with her. And that was in, yeah, that was probably when I was like 19, uh, 18, 19. And then went, went every, basically every Sunday uh, after that, that, that we could together. And it became a huge part of my life. And going through that kind of faith journey at an older age was, uh, was really interesting. And especially when I was going through it with Chelsea as we were dating, because it was really important to me that it was a faith that, could, that was my own and was one that I was walking through at my own speed. And, and Chelsea was very supportive through that and was, yeah, it was, it was amazing, uh, to have alongside me, but I, I realized that there were certain things that I 
I wasn't really asking myself and I wasn't really thinking about. And they were some like really emotionally charged things coming from a family where not everyone uh, or no one in my immediately family, right in my immediate family regularly attends church. They were really emotionally charged. I, I didn't really want to ask myself, okay, what, like what happens to somebody who is a non-believer? And I, I didn't really want to face that. And it led into just a couple other questions um, that I was, I was reluctant uh, to look at. And I remember there was one, there was one, one day where I met with someone and, and I asked a a couple of these questions and he, he gave me a, a response to in, in the moment and maybe he would choose to explain it differently uh, if I was to ask him again. But I remember it being quite black and white. And it was a very clear response. But I, I walked away and I was like, okay, great. I don't think I can be a Christian. And now, now looking back, I know that that was um, a conversation around things that were truly like an open-handed uh, stance. And it was like one way to... Uh, one way to look at it. And now also I understand why he explained certain things, those things to me in in that way. But I was in a really tough place at that point. And then this first round of questioning Christianity came up this, this new, this new course. And I remember Chelsea saw it and, and she said, you know what, you should really, you should really try this. You should go to it. And funny enough, she said, she was like, do you think this is a coincidence? And in my head, I'm thinking, no, like, I know it's not a coincidence. This is just like annoying timing kind of thing. Uh, But I I know this isn't a coincidence. Let me pause you right there, because I'll give a little bit of backstory to QC, uh, to question Christianity. And then, and then, uh, then we'll, then we'll press play again on, on your story and how that unfolds, because you know, as you're going through this this faith journey, this this moment of you know doubt of questioning, and I can fully appreciate uh, where you're coming from because sometimes when people are talking about Christianity, and when we're talking about an open-handed and a closed-handed issue, we're talking about that there are differences of opinion within Christianity that you can look at things from different perspectives, and they're both valid perspectives. It's not like one is an orthodox you know view and one's a heretical view you know in fact there's there are certain questions within christianity that we're just we're unsure you know and there is a freedom of i call it the theological playground there is a freedom within that playground you know to have a differing of opinion of how you're understanding uh say god's providence in the world and in various things and and for me you know it's interesting uh, i i tend to uh, want to understand those diff- I want to understand the playground, right? Whereas some people, maybe they're just in a specific place on the playground. And sometimes they'll come across like that's the only place you can go, you know, on the theological playground, if you will. Uh, and I, so I think it is important that, you know, we, we remember that as we're talking with friends and people who are wrestling, it's important you show them the whole playground uh, because you're not quite sure, you know, what they're wrestling with and how they need to work through uh, a particular issue. And just because you've come to want to play in that particular spot doesn't necessarily mean uh, that that's where everybody's going to end up again on those open-handed uh, questions. 
For those of you who uh, don't know my backstory, I started Apologetics Canada. Uh, I ran it for three years, started working with Northview on a conference. Uh, long story short, started working with Northview as a young adults pastor. I, I worked at Northview for eight years running their young adults ministry and Apologetics Canada at the same time. Both of them got to the point where they needed full-time attention. So I told Northview that I would be uh, heading back to Apologetics Canada. However, I still love Northview, and I attend Northview. Northview is my home church, and Mark Birch, who's the lead pastor there, is my pastor. And I, I love him, pray for him, and and I'm just so thankful for my church. In fact, I, I picked up my son yesterday from a Bible study, and as I was driving home, I was just like, man, I, 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 I just love my church. I'm so thankful for, for the work my church does. And it is funny too, because as I was driving out of the parking lot, I just saw all these people heading in, you know, some were heading in, some were heading out. And I was just like, man, what an, what an awesome church. Uh, so I love it. And it's a privilege for me to get a serve there. So Mark and I were having coffee one day and he was like, Andy, I got this idea. I wish I could say that QC was my idea, but <laughs> in all fairness, it was, it was Mark's idea. Mark was like, Andy, I got this idea. There's different people in our church that have questions. What if we put together, you know, a coffee, you know, talk sort of opportunity to grab a grab a cup of, of coffee, sit down and ask your questions. And we could call it, you know, we batted around different names. And we're like, oh, we could call it questioning Christianity. And let's just see what happens. You know, well, you know, are there people in, in our church that have questions? I think this is interesting, by the way, for those leaders, pastors, perhaps that are listening. We were shocked by the number of people like Tanner that might be attending your church, but they are wrestling through questions. They are having a moment of doubt and they just need a place to talk. And so when we opened this up, I was really quite surprised uh, with how many people, I, I don't know, what, what was it, like 20, 30 people, something like that, that, that was coming out regularly with questions. And so we sat down and we, we talked about those questions together. And just quickly, if you're wondering how the format of the night looked, you came in, there were tables. Of course, there was something hot to drink and there were questions at the table. So you sat down with people you didn't know and you just talked. And so the first question would be about Christianity and you would sit down and you just kind of explain like Tanner just did my journey. You know, what, what, where, where, where's, you know, what's my backstory, if you will. And you just, you just have a moment to talk. And then myself and, uh, another guy, uh, he's an elder at Northview. His name is Graham. He's a local school teacher. And he and I would sit down and we would have a podcast style discussion about say the history of Christianity. And then it would go back to the tables to discuss those questions again. And then, uh, we would come back for the end of the night would be question and answer. And that would lead into an opportunity at the end of the night as people are heading home to just stick around as long as you want. And we would have questions. So from there, uh, let's go back to your story, Tanner. And, you know, you've, you've heard about this thing called QC and you're coming out. What were you expecting and what'd you find? Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think one thing to, to point out on on QC as well is that um, it it wrestles with deep issues, but it's not geared towards longtime believers necessarily. So I I was someone who who didn't have exposure to to Bible study. I, I hadn't really gone through uh, a Bible study in my life. I 
I didn't necessarily have people I could ask these deep questions to. Um, I'd never done a theology class. For me, I would describe it as really quite liberating. And I'm, I'm confident that even if you had done some of those things, maybe they didn't resonate with you in the that moment that you were doing them, I think QC is still the right place for you. But especially if you haven't had exposure to that in the past. And yeah, I, I walked in there and I was expecting, I was expecting it to be a little more uh, lecture style and a little less, uh, a little less of a conversation. But to my pleasant surprise, it was a really, really welcoming, genuine, relaxed environment and I, I quickly caught on that, that Andy, you yourself and, and that Graham were, were people that I could trust. And they were there because they really, they really cared about me and they weren't looking to spew off a, a list of, of answers or a list of reasons or defenses to, to my questions. I, I really felt heard. And it was, it was my, I was, yeah, really like pleasantly surprised and appreciative of when I would ask questions and would have the likes of you and Graham and others um, who, who, yeah, may, may have their thoughts on it. They would say, you know what? I, I think about that a lot too. That's, that's a hard thing. And it's something that, that you're not alone with. And that's so important because at times, especially in a larger church, uh, you can stand there uh, on Sunday, look around and think I'm the only one <laughs> wondering these things or look around and think, is anyone else feeling the same way? And yes, absolutely. Like people absolutely are. Um, you just have to talk about it. And that's kind of a bigger cultural issue nowadays, but um, coming through and talking about it is so important. That is a huge cultural issue. And in fact, this is a great moment to plug the Apologetics Canada Conference. <laughs> we have the Apologetics Canada Conference coming on March 3rd and 4th. And that's actually the key. That's actually my main talk I'm giving is called We Need to Talk. And and the, the subtitle is something to the effect of what is the church's place in a culture of controversy? And it's interesting because more and more we are living in a culture where there's just this pervasive fear that just kind of sits over the culture where it's like you can talk about some things, but there are just so many things. And that list seems to grow daily that are kind of taboo or, or off, you know, off the table. You can't talk about those things. QC is interesting, though, of course, and as you notice, anything's on the table. We can, you can talk about, you can bring up anything, and and we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about it, and we're gonna do so in a way that's authentic, gentle, and and respectful uh, as we as we think through that. And there there absolutely is something refreshing about that. On the one hand, it does it rarely happens, sadly, in our culture right now, where you can just have a genuine conversation over important issues, you know, without it uh, boiling over into a, an argument or something like that, right? Where you just actually talk and work through those important issues of life. But it's interesting you say this, Tanner, because I had a very similar experience happen to me. And, and I, I find it fascinating. You use the word liberating. And I, I, I would say the same thing. It was when I was in Los Angeles doing my master's degree, I had been invited to participate in a radio show in Los Angeles uh, called apologetics.com. You know, they invited me to participate in this. I jump in a car full of these, you know, apologists. I'd never really hung out with or met somebody that was into apologetics at that time. And I was really just getting into it at that moment. And we're driving, you know, into LA and we're having 
these deep conversations about important questions. And I remember at one point, I'm thinking to myself, I should probably change the subject and talk about, you know, the weather, you know, what you ate for dinner or something stupid, right? Because those of us who ask a lot of questions or think deeply, we, we know that people will, you know, they'll entertain us for a little while, but you're going to put them to sleep if you, if you don't, if you're not careful. Do you know what I'm talking about, Tanner? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. (laughs) And I'm talking with these guys in 15 minutes, you know, goes by and I'm thinking, okay, I better change the subject. And I noticed, no, no, no. These people are all into this. Like they're, they're thinking like I'm thinking they're having the same questions I'm having. And there is this genuine interest in the question and respectfulness to talk about it. And I thought, like, honestly, I, I, I have yet to forget it. I'm like, this is one of the greatest days of my life. I realized for the first time that there were other people in the world that thought like I did and that had the same kind of questions I did. And it was absolutely liberating to be able to come together with like-minded people and just talk. Yeah, for sure. Why? I'll, I'll throw it back to you, Andy. Why do you think that, that we don't see this more often in, in other churches and across like our church family? That, that is a great question. And here, here's my answer to that. I have thought about it. I have thought about it. Because I, I remember thinking to myself, I wonder what my faith journey would have been like. See, because my mom, I didn't grow up in a Christian family either, Tanner. My mom eventually started going to church, and then she brought us kids uh, along with her. And when I went to church, at least from my experience, it was made very clear, uh, or I got the clear impression that, that Christianity was not intellectual. I I got the impression that Christianity was nice people, you know, big hearts, big hearts, small brain. That's the impression that I got. And I remember I always, as a growing up as a kid, I always had tons of questions, questions about science, questions about biology, questions about philosophy, you know, and then questions about theology. And this is one of the, one of the things that kind of just makes me a little sad. And I guess maybe that's why I run Apologetics Canada and I want to see this change is I never saw my church as a place to go with my questions. I never I never thought about it that way. And, and in fact, I've told some people my own story about when I first started questioning about whether or not life had meaning, that the first person I asked was my gym teacher, you know, was my weightlifting coach, not my pastor. <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking, oh, I should go to the church for answers, in other words. And, and at this time, my mom had been bringing me to church. So, and so even though I'm being brought there, that again, that wasn't where I thought questions were asked. So to answer your question, Tanner, I do think that it's probably a bigger, you know, there's probably multiple answers to this, but I think one of the major ones that I've come to to see is that there has been, I think this is changing though, but there has been a general anti-intellectual, you know, culture that has, that is recently developed within the church. I, I, that's what I would say. Yeah, for sure. I think like, yeah, you can go into a couple different explanations, whether you want to go down like a, a bit of a historical tangent, but I think it's important to like point out that there is of course a, a spectrum of where people fall as far as needing to ask those questions. Like some are, are perfectly happy to fall on maybe like the, the front half of the spectrum, let's call it where they they feel really, they feel really good and, or they feel strongly that what they're hearing is something that they believe and that's great for them. And then they can move forward. And then others say, yeah, but why? Or yeah, but what? Or yeah, but how? 
And then to what extent do they ask those questions is just all within that same spectrum. And it's totally okay to fall on different places. You know, that's a great point that those people who, yeah, their faith is more of a heart faith, if you will, you know, or not to say that they've left their brain at the door, but maybe they don't ask as many questions. My wife would fit in that category. She's very smart, but she doesn't have as many questions that I have. I, I just tend to be more of a question asker. And this is where I think, you know, what, what you're saying is such an important point that Christianity has a place for all of you. Just because you're not asking questions doesn't mean that you don't fit. But at the same time, just because you are asking questions doesn't mean that you don't have a place, that you're not welcome, that you don't fit. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So going back to kind of what I, what I was expecting, what I was hoping out of that, that first session of questioning Christianity, I, I walked in with questions that uh, now being a table leader, it's funny, this last round, I saw like the exact same questions on people and the exact same questions that they were wrestling with. Let, let me press pause on, on that real quick. Can you just back up though a little bit before we get into you being a table leader? What what happened in QC for you uh, that that changed? You know, for for you because I remember you're the you're one of the only people at the I remember at the end of QC. I've never had this before, but you know, here I am talking about Jesus, and at the end of QC, you give uh, you give me a, a gift certificate to Tim Hortons <laughs> and a thank you card, and I'm like that like I'd never I'd never received that. So clearly something happened like that th- that was a uh you know an important time for you going to QC you know just could you just round that out as you then head into being a table leader it it was so impactful for me because it was like i said that first liberating experience where you and, and Graham became two people that i could trust and i felt open to ask these questions with. And like, when I say questions, they're big questions. Like we're talking the problem of evil. Why does suffering happen to good people? The fairness of God, let's say the quote unquote fairness of God, the Bible, specific verses in the Bible, do science and religion have to exist in opposition? Questions that people are probably hearing me say, and they're like, oh, like, I wish you knew this at this time. I wish you knew this at this time, but I didn't. And so that's why I was there to, to ask. And over those, those five weeks, I did. And what was so fantastic about the format is I could come in with those questions in the back of my mind, but it was first this podcast style conversation between you and Graham. And I could hear the two of you, or I was listening to the two of you go back and forth on these topics, present some biblical theology, some scripture, some just more generic, like, thoughts and philosophies towards these topics at hand. And it started to paint this broader picture, or like you said, started to build the rest of this theological playground that I could see actually existed rather than it just being this like one small area that I was playing in or that I was caught up in. And that is, I think, the true power of questioning Christianity is being able to listen and take in everything that's being said and then formulate your own thoughts on it with all this evidence and all these opinions that you can trust and then you can go out and you can investigate some sources you can do your own research and and then feel feel good in what you're ultimately uh deciding because i do also like to point out and and i mean i think you see it too you can at some point it is that that question of what do you believe and you're gonna have to make that that faith jump, uh, essentially, because you can be stuck in this perpetual 
I just need to find out a little bit more. Just like, let me research a little bit more before I decide how I feel. So you're going to get some answers out of QC, but you're, you're not going to get all of them. Yeah. And you're going to get some questions too. This is, this is, I think, an important idea that really resonated with me is when you start to question Christianity, you realize that you're a part of an intellectual tradition that has go- that goes all the way back to the birth of Christianity. Christianity has never shied away from asking the big questions of life. And I mean, you know, sometimes we think asking a question is like a bad thing, or it means that you, you know, have this skepticism or something like that. You know, asking questions is just a good practice in general. You know, if you're seeking truth and you want to know, uh, you know, what, what is right and, and, and what's wrong, what's true and what's, what's false. And, and you begin to see that Christianity has this long, robust intellectual tradition of deep thinkers and that you and I can participate in that as we ask our own questions and as we think through things. And, and as you do that, it, it strengthens your faith. It encourages you as you begin to see not only are there answers to the questions that I have, but those answers are profound. They're deep and they're, and they're satisfying. They, they help me to make sense uh, of life. And so I, I totally resonate with that, Tanner. And I would say that that's kind of where I found myself. I think that's one of the reasons why I like doing apologetics, that I like doing things like QC, is I get to invite other people into that that journey. And I guess that's one of the things that makes me sad when I see some churches take on this anti-intellectualism where they, they've, they've forgotten their past, they've forgotten their roots and the incredible thinkers and, and feelers, if you will, that we have historically that have you know, loved God with all of their heart, mind, soul, and strength. You know, it's, it's not just one, it's, it's all of us. It's, it's how I feel, it's how I think, it's what I do. Uh, as I seek to to love God and to love people. Okay, so now as we kind of transition, you make this transition now from coming to attend QC to now being a table leader and helping volunteer at QC. So now you were telling us about being a, a volunteer. You're you're leading the um, you're a table leader, and and what did you what did you find? Uh, you know, if you could pick back up at where you were there uh, with the questions that were being asked. Firstly, I could really uh, empathize with those who were were walking in, especially in that first session. You can see that a lot of people were uh, were nervous to be there. They were unsure if this was the right place. Uh, you know that they probably had people who knew that they were there who were also uh, really praying for them, praying that it would go well. And you could also notice um, their expression and just their body language uh, slowly loosen and become more comfortable as they realized, okay, you know what, this is a place where I can be myself. This table leader is not trying to hit me over the head with the Bible. He's here to, to listen to me. He's telling me he was in a, in a similar place. And the, the first conversation kind of um, gets going between you and Graham. You can start to see just by the way that people are reacting to certain things being said that it's, it's the first time that they've heard it that way. And I think it's because, like you said, unfortunately, what had happened or what is happening is some churches and some Christians will throw the baby out with the bathwater when these tougher conversations come up. This is the way it is, or we don't get into those issues when really, in reality, there is like very deep conversations that can be had to help explain these things. And it just 
uh, it often doesn't happen that way. And there's people who, who walk in that first day and you can tell that that is their experience, uh, with, with Christianity. And yeah, then when it comes to the, the question period and the table discussion period, it's usually very similar, similar questions that come up. And in this, this recent round, one thing that we talked about that was really interesting was, uh, we heard a lot of, about the fairness of God. There were a lot of questions on, yeah, why do bad things happen to good people? Why, how is it fair for someone who's never heard scripture or heard, learned who Jesus was? How, how is that fair? And there, there's such important questions to ask. And like, that is exactly the place to be asking them. It's kind of interesting. We've done this three times now. And each time there's different questions that kind of rise to the surface as the, as the main, you know, question that people are wrestling with. I do find it interesting though, that, I don't know, would, would you agree that the kind of general question that's being asked keeps coming back to why does God allow evil? You know, why is there suffering in the world? Because if you if you really boil any of those questions down, they they ultimately come back to right is is God good, is He just, is He fair? Can I trust Him? Yeah, you're going to get slightly different answers to that and and interpretations of that. But I think there is a core principle that is that is clear, and that's a question that's really hard to answer on your own and to to go out and to find on your own. Um, and it's one thing too, that like a, a close friend said to me, he was like, seeking wisdom and exploring things is hard. When you, when you ask God for, for wisdom, it's likely going to get hard before, um, it gets better. And that can happen many times over. So you may feel good one day about the, the problem of evil or suffering when you think about it. And then three months later, you may go, you know what? I don't know if that actually makes sense to me. I, like, I got to talk about this again. That's okay. That's not a crisis of faith. That just means you have to, um, you just know different things and you've learned more, you're more knowledgeable and you're going to go and look at it through a different lens and investigate it in a different way. And you're going to come out stronger on the other side. Uh, you don't have to be fearful of that process, but yeah, again, it's not like a, it's not something that you're going to get one answer to likely and hold forever. You know, there's this uh, passage in Second Timothy where Paul is writing to Timothy, you know, this young man that he's mentoring, and and he reminds him first of all of this inheritance of faith that he received from his grandmother and his mother, and then he encourages him to fan into flame his his faith. and And one of the things that you see this theme of fanning your faith into flame, and, and of course that has this idea of you know you have this ember that's burning, you know, and maybe that ember is a question. You know, th that that faith may be existing, but it's existing very weakly, right? It hasn't even lit into a flame yet, and it needs to, it needs to be breathed on and, 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 you know, fanned, if you will. And, and one of the ways that I, I see that, and you see this in scripture, is wrestling with the questions that you have. And in fact, uh, it might surprise people to learn that that's actually what the name Israel means. It's, it's this people whose name, you know, goes back to Jacob, who has a wrestling match with God. And, and his name is changed to Israel, which means, you know, one who wrestles with God. And, and I think every one of us has these moments of tension and questions where we want to have this wrestling match with God, you know, where we're going, God, I, I, you know, help me to understand this, you know, help me to understand maybe it's why a loved one has passed away, or maybe, you know, help me to understand the logic behind what you're doing, you know, uh, here, Lord. 
And it's important if you want that ember to, you know, be fanned into flame, you have to wrestle with those. You have to engage the questions that you have, whether or not they're heart questions or, or, or head questions, if you will, where you're willing to, to do that. And it's in those moments that your faith grows. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You have to sit in that period of discomfort. And I, I mean, we see it nowadays, especially with just uh, the, the increase of things that there are always there to distract you, whether it's um, things online or things going on in your life. There's, there's always going to be something that can keep your mind busy and stop you from sitting in that wrestling period uh, with those with those questions. But I, Andy also, there's probably a lot of people who are, are, who are thinking, okay, how is this that much different than, than alpha? So, you know, that I'm going through as a table leader with alpha right now, but for those out there, what, what would you say as far as explaining where QC sits? Yeah. Well, first I would say that there's similarities in, in that, it's with other people. And you made a really good point, Tanner. A lot of these questions, I don't think you can actually fully wrestle with them on your own. It, you need you need to engage with them, not only with, you know, people, friends and, and those around you, your church, but even people from history that have thought through and wrestled with these questions and realize that, you know, you're you're a part of a much bigger community than perhaps uh, you you've realized so so alpha and qc are very similar in those regards it's an opportunity for people to come together and, and ask questions but i see qc as a pre-alpha and this is something that i think you know we uh, need to appreciate more and more as we live in canada and and elsewhere in the world where christianity is is no longer the dominant cultural worldview. Now, of course, we would say that it is the, the, the worldview that we live in. It's, as Glenn Scrivener says, the air we breathe. It, it is a part of, you know, we've inherited a Christian worldview, but a lot of people don't even know that. They don't realize that they've inherited a Christian worldview. They have not inherited, for example, a Greek or a Roman, you know, worldview. They've inherited a Christian worldview. They don't know that. And m- more, some people are further away from that than others. And so I would say that QC is for those that are really far from it, those that didn't grow up in Christianity, those who don't know Bible verses, who don't know Christian stories, who don't know who Jesus is. The, you know, th- For those people who are wondering, does God even exist? And is there any good reason to even believe that God exists? And, or, or that are wondering, do all religions lead to God? Right? Is is truth, you know, exclusive? You know, those people who are wrestling with those more foundational questions is a QC question. Whereas Alpha, I would I would say, you know, is kind of the next step. And so it's it's for those people who have more of a general understanding of Christianity. I, I would I would say, and and that's not to, of course, say one's better than the other. They're they're both needed. And of course, there are uh, other classes like exploring Christian, Christianity Explored and others that you can go to from Alpha, right? There's, you know, you, you, it's a journey of discipleship and where I see QC is kind of being the foundation. It's a place to start. Oh, for sure. And you realize that once you're there, it is, yeah. it's something that you come in with, with maybe a different expectation, but as like to get into more kind of how, like what a QC session actually looks like, 
um, when, when you, when you come, like you said, uh, you sit at a table and you discuss some opening questions, uh, with those, those who are there. And it could be a question that's something like, what do you think of Jesus? Like, what do you know of Jesus? And it really sets the, sets the scene for, for some people. Some people may say, oh, well, I think he's this made up person who seemingly existed 2000 years ago, whatever they come up with. And then you have others who give a different answer and it, and it really sets the the tone for, okay, this is where people are at. These are the kind of questions that we may receive. And then it goes into, would you say like an hour long discussion between you and Graham kind of at the front there? Uh, like 40 minutes. Yep. 40 minutes. And then we go back and we uh, discuss some of the things that you talked about. There's a couple guiding questions, uh, have a little break, kind of get a little bit of food, some hot drink. And then we have this, this panel session at the end where people can pose questions that maybe didn't get to a good resolution at the table to, to you and Graham, and you can provide, uh, your thoughts on it, not your answers, but I would say your thoughts on it. Cause that's like the important distinction. And that's a really valuable piece. So, we, we do that. That's what one session looks like. And then for us, we were running it in five, five sessions. Yeah, that's right. And, okay. and that's an important point with regards to answers, because some, some questions don't have an answer. There is an answer, but we don't, we don't know for sure. All we know is there's possible answers. And this gives you an opportunity to discuss. And when you discuss possible answers, you realize, okay, there, there are ways that I could understand what God could be doing that actually makes sense that doesn't put my faith into this logical contradiction where uh, I feel like I'm a part of some fairy tale or, or something like that. I, I will say this too, with regards to the flow, you know, because this is something that we don't really have a model that we've been following. We, you know, have been making it up as we go, really. <laughs> I've learned a lot along the way. I'll say one thing that I, I did learn, you know, I could talk about lots of things, but I'll just, just one that I think is interesting. And that is the importance of table leaders like, like you, Tanner, because one of the things that I've noticed doing this is that during the question and answer time, people get to know the table leader and they're much more willing to ask that table leader and to bring up amongst their table, the questions that they're wrestling with. If that table leader then gathers questions from their table the table leader then during the Q&A is the one who is able to then bring the question up to you know the 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 whoever's teaching or leading the the QC so Graham and myself in this case then can interact with the table leader with the questions that were raised by the table and and I don't know about you Tanner but I have found that that works really well yeah it, it to- totally it does like it for some people just the act of being there at QC is like a, a monstrous effort they they actually showed up really they they did the hardest thing and that it would be uh, a lot to ask for them then to pose their kind of deepest question in front of the group and it's really easy for the table leader to to do that and because it's usually like uh it's a little bit of a, a smaller uh group of people we're talking like 40 or less um we're able to to get through those questions that that are posed um posed by the table leader, but kind of going back to this, this thing we talked about at the beginning with open handed and closed handed questions. I think that it's really, really important to, to like 
to realize and to distinguish that this is not, um, it's a fine line between progressive Christianity and being based in the, in biblical theology, essentially. And it's, it, it, yeah, it's a tough thing to, to walk with, especially as we see it a lot in, in our culture right now. But, uh, that's absolutely not what, what QC is or what it does. Um, especially as these hard questions are coming up. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. You know, and that's where you do need people who can lead the discussion that understand the difference between, you know, progressive Christianity, which was really, you know, kind of mixing Christianity with new age uh, thinking versus, okay, what is, what is historical core, you know, what C.S. Lewis would call mere Christianity and what, uh, what is that, again, going back to what is that theological playground within that? And and those who have been a part of the church for a while realize that there's a playground when they talk about things like, for example, predestination. I remember when I first started going to church, right, when my mom brought me, this always brought, you know, dispute in the church that I, that <laughs> I was attending, you know, what's your view of predestination and how do you understand that? And it was interesting because even when I was doing my PhD, one of the lectures that we had in Scotland was on a theologian back from the 300s named Columba, who debated predestination. And, and it was interesting because the answer he gave to it and how he wrestled with it, I actually found very helpful, very satisfying. And I was like, wow, that's, that's actually really helpful. And so again, it's one of those moments that you realize, okay, we've been, we've been thinking through and, and wrestling with that question such as predestination, for a long time, a long time. And Christians have thought about it in ways that have been really helpful, in some ways that haven't been very helpful, and some that are in the playground, and some that are outside the playground. And those are, you know, it's good to be able to note that and go, okay, you know, and here's why this is outside the playground is we bring uh, everything back to the Bible. And and what is, you know, the the core of Christianity. What is what is the mere Christianity that is faithful to the Bible? I want to encourage people that are listening to this as we as we come in for a landing here, Tanner. I want to just encourage people that you can host QC in your own church. This is an awesome opportunity to engage with the questions that people have. People like Tanner, people like myself, and I know that there are many more. You know that there are many people uh, across the country that are struggling, especially with a culture that raises as many questions as our culture does. And I pray that you could help facilitate these opportunities to be able to talk genuinely, winsomely, gently, respectfully on these important questions. And I do believe that these embers of faith will be fanned into, into fire as people's faith are strengthened as they wrestle through the questions that they have. But we need to be able to facilitate that. Please, Apologetics Canada is here to help you. We are working actually right now on creating a curriculum around this to help other churches host their own QC. So if you want to try this out, uh, get in contact with me. We'd love to be able to, we'd love to help you uh, to do that. If you would like to join us for QC, Tanner and I will be back at it again. Uh, I don't, I can't remember when it's starting up again. I think it's April. Uh, We're starting up uh, QC again. We would love to have you out. Tanner, thank you for joining uh, the podcast. It has been great to have you, man. Yeah, thanks, Andy. It was great to come on. Really a bit of a full circle moment for, for myself, but also for, for QC. Excited to see where it's going. Yeah, it's cool to see what God's doing as we 
uh, you know, unite together as you know, brothers and sisters in Christ as we are part of a family. And in this case, you know, a family of people who are wrestling with questions and that there's a place for you. And we want to, we want to wrestle with, you know, these questions and see, ultimately see and pray that your, your faith would, would be strengthened in it. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you for joining the Apologize Canada podcast. We will come back next week with more things to think about. Until then, love God and love people.